let the hogs out. Another thing people have been watching <laughs> is this uh, Law and Order SVU episode. So, you know, I, 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 again, like, I think we like to check in with Law and Order SVU because I, I think once it hits the sh- that show, like a cultural thing, um, you know, I think it says something about, like, where X or Y uh, cultural thing uh you know that it's gotten to a level of like prominence that it's on this uh nbc series right it's not a real thing unless ice ice tea has made like a snappy retort about it or something like incels i never had that problem so we have launder svu devoting a whole episode to incels and the incels are this like menace force in this episode who are committing sexual assaults and beatings and calling um i guess calling every man chad and then the women stacy to stand in for like i don't know these incel uh, caricatures Law and Order tends to, like, publicize the most absurd idea, like, the most sensationalized version of these cultural moments. Like, we saw the episode with the kind of campus, you know, politics approach that they did with starring um, Reese Seahorn. And now we're talking about this incel episode. It's just sort of a very sensationalized view, I think, of what how I understand the incel phenomenon or what I've read about it. Well, you didn't get to the episode uh, to the point where we had some suspects, right? No, I didn't. Give Fill me in. So throughout the episode, you meet a few. I guess in total, there's like these three guys who are communicating on this like it's so funny because the like real tough guy i guess he's like staten island he's one of the newer cast members like the cops right and he comes down he's like i had to go to the dark web to find this (laughs) and he like throws the laptop down and it's like this incel forums (laughs) (laughs) the dark web aka like reddit (laughs) So, yeah, and then they find these just, like, I mean, the, the ca- imagine if this was, like, the casting call was just, like, the most, like, nerdy, asthmatic, like, just the hugest, like, disproportional nose. Like, these were just, they, they found some grotesque um, <laughs> incel actors. Of course they did. Like I said, they always present the most absurd view. Uh, were there any other suspects that you feel like mentioning? Um, suspects wise, it was it moved pretty fast to where it was kind of like they were figured out that each of these incels was conspiring with these other ones, and I don't know. I, I have nothing to say about them individually. Like this episode <laughs> was very strange because. It seemed like in the last scene, they brought in the victim to, like, 
egg on the main incel to like incriminate himself and it totally works like easily just the way normal crimes work and there's just so many like you know lines that like no one would actually like say in real life even though like these are the things they would like probably believe but just they just like really aggressively like feel that like women are their property purely for like sexual um you know desire and the fact that like the the earth hasn't like granted that to them just like they feel like they are just this like disenfranchised like ball of rage i mean i don't know if it seems like a very from what i saw this guy in like a clown mask just runs in and like pistol whips the chad and then like rapes the stacy and very bizarre too that afterwards they were like immediately questioning the victim i I remember just watching this i'm like i don't think this is how criminal proceedings actually work but I don't know. It's this is all very sensationalized every time they take up something like this that's very online and has made the jump to I guess being a household topic. And I guess it it, it takes it to the next level where it's like literally like a, a an incel crime ring. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Like I don't see how anyone wrote this with like a straight face, honestly. This seems like kind of a joke. <laughs> Yeah, if, uh, you know, if they had designed them more like the Proud Boys, I think it would be a little more believable. Right, but they already had the opportunity to do, like, the campus activism one, and they chose the kind of hacky, like, both sidesism a little bit of, like, oh, the, you know, people on the left are crazy, people on the right are crazy. So I feel like if they were to center on one of the two sides in this kind of equation that they've made up it would be controversial or something they would like avoid i think the episode was definitely trying to imply that like the fury of the incels isn't like valid and you know like they wanted to make that clear i don't think it had complex things to say about how I don't know how certain males have like degraded this much to the point where like this is the subculture they feel most identified with. Yeah. But then again, I guess we don't really turn to law and order for the cutting cultural criticism. That's more of our speed, but I guess we should just, unless you have something to add from your just intense viewing of the incel episode of law and order SVU. The worst part was some of the dialogue when the incel guys are being interrogated and, you know, it's always that moment when it turns and I think if you watch this episode, I mean, you'll you'll see that the moments in the interrogations when these guys turn, just like their rage is pretty hilarious, whereas sometimes in this show, like, the rage is supremely uncomfortable and you know that's part of like the drama of it but in this one it was pretty funny return to your homes there's nothing to fear
and uh, let's move on to something that definitely will be forgotten in the sands of time. Law and Order SVU had an episode in, I guess it's the current season. It was called Info Wars. And Sam and I watched it, and let's go into, I guess, Law and Order's foray into dealing with both Me Too and the fraying political situation in the country. Sam, do you want to maybe start from the top of this episode and uh, give us your initial descriptions? Sure, sure. So this this episode goes like many Law & Order episodes, 0 to 100 real quick. Uh, Reese Seahorn from Better Call Saul plays this kind of, I guess, Ann Coulter or maybe even Tommy Loren sort of figure. She gives a speech at a college campus, and we have a very stereotypical scene of her giving her speech, which is like in this abandoned courtyard for some reason. And then on one side, the vicious forces of you know, Antifa, and then on the other side, we have the, like, alt-right guys. The, like, college conservatives, yeah. the very, very white. And and also, I love how the, like, Antifa, they were just all, like, dreadlocked, like, <laughs> Brooklyn people with, like, bandanas, slash they're all wearing black it was just this like fever dream of like conservative like fear no i mean i think it's extreme horseshoe theory horseshoe theory being the idea that the far right and the far left are actually closer to one another than they are to the political center which if it sounds dumb to you you can imagine it's actually a lot dumber than it actually sounds but it kind of subscribes to this idea that the Antifa is the same as the alt-right in a way, or they're both equally violent. And in the context of this episode, we are faced with the mystery of who in the scuffle that ensues after the conservative commentator's speech, she is raped. And we are led to wonder whether it was the far left or the far right that did it. And that becomes the episode. So you can see it's a little on the nose. <laughs> it was extremely bizarre seeing this great actress, Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul, take on this just extremely shallow character who, because she was a conservative columnist who'd written a book, like decrying, you know, the idea of rape culture that she had suggested in her book that. of rapes were false uh, accusations or something that she would use this opportunity to create a media circus and falsely imprison someone like that's a pretty big leap. (laughs) Yes. And the other idea in this is that because of their politics, Nobody can be impartial. That's like a theme of this. One of the best scenes is when the alt-right guy is on the witness stand and he, what the defense asks him, like, 
which of the jury members would you like genocide? And he points out like all the black jurors. And then one of them is like, step out of this courtroom. I'm going to kick the crap out of you. <laughs> and it's order, order. <laughs> Obviously the dialogue in this is just out of control. Oh, it's batshit fucking crazy. The MAGA guy who definitely by the end, you know, he obviously fucking did it. Yeah, I think we are led to believe that the MAGA guy was the one who committed the attack. But either way, I thought it was so funny. It was like this very specific view of how, I guess, a certain like middle-aged centrist person views youth like political engagement. I did also have the feeling that if it had been like the alt-right against maybe like Black Lives Matter, it would have been a way like more problematic episode. Yeah, I wonder if that was how an early draft shook out. But it's funny that Law & Order felt the need to take on the political situation in the country after they pulled the episode starring Gary Cole, which in it he portrayed a Trumpian figure, and then Trump got elected. The NBC pulled the episode. But the episode was about, like, a politician who raped people. Like the one who runs our country, folks. Yeah, I mean, for real. So it's just weird that they wanted to take on this topic when they had shied away from it in the past. And clearly their answer was, well, we have to just constantly clarify that liberals and people who are against these uh, genocidal fascist ideas are all like hysterical like fucking baristas yeah yeah there is definitely a lot of that kind of characterization they also characterized the alt-right guy as a dude who like lived with his mom which was i guess kind of funny but any pretense that this episode maybe had of trying to be i guess instructive in any way was belied by the fact that they were like here's the antifa logo and it was like a mix of the dsa rose then what there was like a hammer and sickle on it and then something it was (laughs) totally made up like conglomeration of like three unrelated fucking logos when antifa does have a logo that's like pretty recognizable so it was clearly just meant to be like sensationalist some of the dialogue i remember ice t who is still in this stupid show for some reason saying like it doesn't pay to play politics as a cop or something like that (laughs) like it was pretty bad as if like by being a cop, you are not inherently taking a political position. Exactly. I remember also uh, the Antifa guy's defense attorney saying, like, uh, my guess is that he goes to these political rallies to meet girls because he's lonely or, like, he's a wimpy, lib, soy boy or something like that. Yeah, you'd only be interested in Bernie Sanders to meet the boys. Of course. U.S. police wearing their gun all the time has an important
fact. It makes police feel like they are never civilians, never normal people, that they're always cops, and that they're never safe without a gun. I don't think that's the most productive frame of mind for civilians who are charged with keeping our cities safe and calm. Let's start with this one. Law and Order, new series coming out called Law and Order Hate Crimes. Sam, why don't you describe what you think the first episode will be? I mean, we did have a window into this with their like atrocious handling of like campus activism. I, I don't know. It's always gonna be it's gonna be something with some awful like double standard where I don't know, like uh a, is an Israeli man murders uh like Palestinian woman, but the twist is that uh, the Palestinian woman was anti-Semitic. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be really Or bad. that, like, th- his f- father was killed by a Palestinian man in Israel. <gasps> wow. So then it's justified, is what you're saying. And then Antifa comes, and he, yeah. and then the guy saves him against the, the greater enemy. I'm thinking about one where it's three Native Americans, and the whole time you think that someone's going to commit a hate crime against them, but then they commit a hate crime against, like, someone, not even a racist hate crime. They commit, like, a hate crime against, like, uh, a Muslim person or something, like a, a more, like, a religious-motivated one or, like, a sexual orientation-motivated one. I mean, as tasteless as we're being, I don't think we can touch how tasteless this Law & Order show is going to be. Law & Order, reverse racism. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely going to be one where like a black guy kills a white person and then they're like, how is this not a hate crime? And like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be atrocious. And is every episode going to end with a cop getting off for shooting a black person? <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, a fact of life. I mean, e- even as like, wasn't George Zimmerman in the news again recently? <laughs> he was not even a cop, but. Right, neighborhood watch bullshit or whatever, but apparently, yes, he's threatened Beyonce and Jay-Z, apparently, so <laughs> great to see old George still free and, you know, out there. Yes, uh, I mean, everyone knows that it's very important to defend uh, George Zimmerman's freedom of speech, but either way, um, this Law & Order show... I mean, it can't be more tasteless than real life, but it, like Law & Order, it will try to be worse than real life. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they're going to treat hate crimes... They're treating it like Pulp Fiction or something. Like, it's like this juicy print or something. Yes, I think there's just no way it'll be done in a way that's uh, nuanced, let's say. <laughs> 